We're back, friends. And Andy, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the inside of Dave Gettleman's house, what Joe Judge has been up to, some of the misinformation that's coming out, and poor Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. Oh, I see a lot of mothballs and long sleeve sweaters for Gettleman. But before we dive in, drop that brass. And with that, we welcome you back once again to the One Giant Podcast. As always, I'm Adam Marbrechton, and there is Andy Makowitz. How are you, friend? I'm doing all right. Staying home and surviving. How are you doing, Adam? Listen, it, it, it's good for me, man. I, I got a little case of the of the napsies uh, a little while ago and just kind of shut that body down for a solid 45. And, and now I'm rested. I'm sharp. Uh, dare I say as sharp as I've ever been. So the, the stay-at-home order has really gotten to you, huh? That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Without, yeah, without uh, I, I know people. I know people personally within this podcast that are that are struggling with some some of what's going on right now uh, with COVID nineteen. But thank thankfully, I've been able to kind of uh, uh, stem the tide here and survive in my apartment with uh, just me and my girlfriend. Well, yes, uh, COVID nineteen has hit this house pretty hard. Um, it has not been fun at all. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> and one thing I can say is. It takes many shapes and many sizes. So some people may not see much and then others may be out of commission for a week. So I do not wish it on anyone. That's the truth of it. Uh, so basically, we just want to come in. Obviously, as we say, there's never, never a lack of content around the NFL. And even though we're heading into really what is the final countdown uh, practically before the NFL draft officially will come our way next week. What, what's the buzz, Andy? What, what's on the tip of your tongue right now? Well, you, you know it's the final countdown when you start seeing the pictures of the general managers. The teams are tweeting it out. Mm. You see the pictures of the head coach. And I don't know if you saw it. Did you see that they the Giants put out pictures of Gettleman and Joe Judge? I, I, I didn't see the Joe Judge ones. I did see the Gettleman ones. And those are, those are impressive. I believe uh, – to, uh, off the top of my head, it felt like uh, SAT prep for seniors. That was my that was my my thought. I mean, if you were playing bingo and you needed to guess one thing that would be in a Dave Gettleman picture in his draft room, it would have to be a five thousand page three ring binder. It would have yeah. to be like there's no question about it. Like I, I would say that that's there before <laughs> uh, uh, a laptop. That would be there before a telephone. He's like, if I don't have these three hole punch smooth flips over. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Which by the way, even, even in these times when, when everyone's isolated and the understanding is from Roger Goodell, listen, we're all doing it from our own homes. We're going to connect and make this thing happen. And Dave Gettleman just sets himself up there and goes, well, I got the binder. I don't What else, what else can I possibly need here? I don't know. I don't know how they're contacting me. I have my flip phone, but yeah. I don't understand what the next phase is this. Who cares if the internet goes down? I got it all right down here. Now, how was, how was Joey Judge looking? So, which made me feel happy is they had him in his Massachusetts home. He was watching game film on the big screen TV, had a smaller screen down to the left with another game on, and then had a third screen laptop right next to him, which either could have been that game or could have been another game or, or checking to see tape. So I saw what I wanted to see from Judge, which is using and abusing as much technology as he can at this point. Because it's there and you don't need the three-hole punch binder anymore. 
Is there a is there any level of concern uh, that that we have two people now at the highest ranking positions of our organization that are from the the Boston Massachusetts area of the country? Is that is that a red should that be a red flag for Giants fans? Because I feel like you know, thankfully JoJo doesn't have any accent or anything, but this uh, this is concerning. I, I'll say this: if Tom Coughlin coached at Boston College, well, these guys are all right with me if they have half the career he does with the Giants. We're going to be okay. That's a fair. That's a that's a fair walk back off the ledge. Um, when we do look at now the, the draft coming up, uh, obviously a lot of GMs, coaches, more interviews, more content coming out around them. One of the things that I picked up on was Dave Gettleman again being asked about Leonard Williams. He's not backing off of his stance on him. Um, you know, he's committed to liking him. He talked about how signing him to the franchise tag and referencing we, we, we've gotten to know him as a player, as a person. We're perfectly comfortable putting on the franchise tag. We're not worried about getting the long-term deal signed. And I, I guess it's two parts. One, do you buy in at all to, to what he's saying around it? And if you do, then then do we as Giants fans have to, have to kind of accept this? And I don't mean it negatively, but just the reality is Leonard Williams will get signed to a long-term contract. He is going to be a part of this team and its future. So when you look at the defensive line, you can go ahead and count him and, and Dexter Lawrence and probably Dalvin Tomlinson. You know, that that's the core there, and that's what we're working going forward with over the next four or five years potentially. I don't think you can believe anything that anyone is saying at any moment right now. And a pu- prime example for Dave Gettleman is we didn't sign Odell Beckham to trade him. Right. So we already the history is already there. He's already literally said in one breath, we didn't sign this guy to trade him and then trades him a couple days or a couple weeks later. Right. Like he he didn't even wait till the ink was dry. Like he was like, wait, can I erase this out? Okay, no, no, no. We're just going to ship him off to Cleveland. So, you know, for me, listen, I take it with a grain of salt. I do think Gettleman likes him because he is a big body inside. I and I do think he's also playing the cards that he's dealt. It's like, what else is he supposed to say? He can't say that he really is excited about getting him signed to a long-term commitment because then he's just going to give Leonard Williams more leverage. He can't say that he's thinking about rescinding the tag because then Leonard Williams would just go sign it. So like, what else is he supposed to say other than we see him as part of our future, a long-term deal will happen when it's supposed to happen, and we'll figure it out from there. Well, and a couple of things on, on the Gettleman side of stuff or on the Leonard Williams side of stuff, just in terms of, of how he plays in this team. One of the things that I did also latch on to was the idea that we know that the Gettleman likes bodies in the trenches. So you, he wants that area of the team to be a strength. So it makes sense that he would be a, that Leonard Williams would be a part of the future. The other piece is that he defends against the run very well, which is what Dave Gettleman likes to focus on. And Gettleman doesn't believe in necessarily the back end of the defense as much as he does the front end. So there's some components to that where it adds up. Now, whether or not Leonard Williams is the guy you want in there is a whole other story. The other piece of it is I don't know if you have to worry about Leonard Williams rushing to sign anything because if you follow him on any social media platforms, this guy's living the dream. He is out. I'm sure you can find out where he is, but he's out on an island somewhere. He is spear fishing off the coast cooking up fresh seafood left and right and i mean like i don't know if this guy even knows that he was franchise tagged if i'm being if i'm being perfectly honest adam i've been following his instagram and i'm like man i should have social distanced with leonard williams he seems like he's i mean the 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 fresh fish that they roasted in in the fire and presumably like banana leaves or something looked incredible and he pulled up six different fish was pointing them out letting us know what each species is like he's just having a blast shirtless in paradise spearfishing right 
Yeah, I, I've made some poor choices. Like you said, if you're going to get stuck somewhere, I, I could have tried to at least flex my muscles and gotten a little bit further away from the apartment, but it, it is what it is. The The other thing that we're starting to hear more about now, obviously, is the analysis around, and it's not just the Giants, it's all these teams, the top of the draft, Who who's really interested in Tua? Is Miami actually a little concerned about the injury history? Are there other teams we didn't even realize wanted quarterbacks so bad that they're they're willing to move around? As all this speculation kind of ramps up, um, you know, likewise, are, are you putting any stock in any of the new rumors? I know it's, you take it as a grain of salt, but are any of them maybe intriguing that you've been hearing? This is my favorite time of year. I live for it mm-hmm. because the amount of misinformation comes out and the reports contradict each other within like two or three hours every time. It's, you know, latest report, Dolphins out on Tua. Okay, wow. All of a sudden, all the films that they've done, like Mel Kuyper Jr. has now said, they may take Herbert in front mm-hmm. of Tua. Breaking news. Next, next thing, the the Patriots love Jordan Love. They love him. Scouts are saying he could be the fourth overall pick or he could fall all the way to 25. We just don't <laughs> right. know where he's going to fall. It's like everyone just keeps throwing all these ridiculous statements because no one knows what anyone's going to do. You know, the the one rumor that was the most ridiculous that I saw was there's a couple of people that said sources are saying the Giants are in talks with the Redskins of trading mm-hmm. up the number two pick to draft yeah. Chase Young. We would give them our second round pick next year, and they would give us their fourth round pick this year. So, like, we get to move up two spots to draft generational Chase Young, and we give up a second round pick, but we get a fourth round back. Yeah, I saw I saw that. That one was a good one just because when you read it, you're like, but I mean, like, you know, it's like it, it doesn't make any sense for all the logical reasons. And then even just from like a dollars and cents standpoint, you're like, so the Redskins, they just want a second round pick next year. That's, that's all that they need to get talked off of that. Let alone if they were in the market to trade this pick, there'd be plenty of quarterback needy teams that would love to come up there and throw the kitchen sink at them. But no, 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 they're going to trade in the division with the Giants and just, yeah, we'll do it for, you know, we'll do it for a hearty handshake. I, I could, I, I assume that that's Ron Rivera's MO. Well, I, I, I chuckled that and I said, let me just put it in my mind once, run the scenario through. And obviously I laughed the whole time, but it's like, okay, so let's say they love Isaiah Simmons, right? Mm-hmm. And they know that everybody wants to trade up to get Chase Young. They know the Giants at four are probably the furthest you can go while still feeling confident you can get Simmons. Maybe they're just posturing saying Chase Young's a generational talent. They want to move back to four and they pick up an extra second round pick because they wanted Isaiah Simmons anyway. I think Ron Rivera, Luke Keekly at the mm-hmm. center for him. Thomas Davis was there forever. Like, I, I don't know, mate. Like, that's the one small thing that I could think of is that they're like, hey, listen, we want Isaiah Simmons. If we go this route, the Giants are presumably going to get Chase Young somehow anyway. So what if we trade? And then yeah. laughed about it and went, don't get my hopes up. This is not, this is, this is just misinformation. It'll take me a minute to get off the tip of my tongue. The other linebacker that uh, came over from Carolina to join our John Beeson. Ah, I got there all on my own. I didn't need anybody's help. Uh, yeah. Same thing. I'll just, you know, another Carolina Panther linebacker. Um, that I actually was really excited when, when we first heard that he was coming over and the injuries, but I thought, man, if this guy could be healthy for us and it just never, never panned out a walk down, sad memory lane. One of the other ones that I heard was now is that like Detroit lions, maybe are uh, way more interested in a, a quarterback at three than uh, initially than initially thought. This is maybe one of the ones that I think 
you know, grain of salt, because as they said, as long as Matt, Matthew Stafford is healthy and is back and, you know, the, the injury that he suffered and the bones that are back there, they all heal up. You assume that they're totally, they're just totally comfortable with him because he started, I think, 163 straight games at one point in his career. Not to mention the fact you have a, a coach potentially on the hot seat. And if you're going to turn over the regime, are you really going to be bringing in potentially the next head coach? I, I can't think of any organization that would draft her franchise quarterback and then bring in a new coach the following year that'd be ridiculous uh obviously but you know that was one that i maybe thought for a second well there's something there could be a little bit of of uh, a fire to that smoke but i don't i I, again that 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 feels more reaching anything and by the way you can feed back into it after this but but the idea that mel kuyper or some of these bigger guys that i really respect when they come up with their draft boards the fact that they get sucked into the whole throwing out these random things where herbert is ebbing and flowing from top five to bottom 50 it's almost it's a little disappointing right because i want to be able to trust some of these outlets to feel like i'm getting sound information so here's the two things one Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford, before getting injured last year, was having a career year. He was top 10 in a bunch of different categories. If he stayed healthy, he had a shot at being in the top five MVP discussion, you know, before he went down injured. So, you know, he's he's still relatively young. He's a really gutsy player. He can still throw the ball. They have way other other bigger problems. You know, they just traded Darius Slay. Okuda makes a ton of sense for them. Sure, Mm -hmm. the defense give Matt Patricia a new, new toy there on the cheap. And here's the rub about Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and, and all the big-time pundits is it's it's this vicious cycle. In order for them to get information, they need to be the puppet of these teams, these agents, these insiders, these owners, these head coaches. Because if they – if you know, let's say Joe Judge or Dave Gettleman calls Todd McShay and says, we want to put it out there that we really, really like Isaiah Simmons. Mm. Like, what is he supposed to do? Because if he doesn't put it out, then Joe Judge isn't going to call him ever again. And and if he does put it out, he knows he's kind of being used for whatever reason the Giants are using him for. So that's why any information that's coming out now, you got to ask yourself, why is it coming out now? Like, why would the Dolphins come out to tell everyone that they don't like Tua? Like, how does that help any standing with the value of their pick? That's true, and that's a really that's a really good point to make as well. Because unfortunately, now yeah, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, you do have to have you have these relationships, right? Why does Adam Schefter get all the inside scoops? Because he engages on all of it, and when there's the speculation about it, he also puts out that possibility of what could be going on here. And if it ever comes to fruition, it's also okay because he's still able to maintain that connection that he has. So that, that that's a really also a really good way to frame it, and it makes for fun conversation certainly, and also a little bit of frustration when you just want to have some sense of bearings about about what to expect. The one of the things that the and really the one of the final things we'll talk about here is we're just doing kind of a, just a quick update. Um, one of the final things that we wanted to touch on was this idea, as we said, about trade down scenarios. Um, you know, the Chargers one is, is has been having steady traction along the way. I'm still waiting, especially in this time of all these rumors, to get something concrete that makes it feel like a six to four jump for them makes sense with the Giants, where we get a little something in return. Uh, the, the Jaguars one has some traction. Two that I think are, are, are very interesting, and, and the Vegas Raiders are obviously also in there, and one of the fairly talked about ones consistently. Uh, the, the one is, and this is a little bit more outsider, is the Miami, the idea of Miami and a possible trade there with not the, not the fifth pick, but a lot of these other assets. I assume that that one is really built around just this idea that they have so much collateral, that's why you're going to talk about them po- possibly packaging something up. 
The other one, though, that got thrown into that mix was also Tampa Bay. And we had talked about it. And really the point that I want to get to here is that Tampa Bay sits there at 14. Other selections from Miami, you're talking about the 18th and 26th in the first round. On draft day, we, we made that move with the with the Raiders in our mock, and you ended up getting uh, lucky, whatever. The board fell how it did, and you got Thomas at 12. How far back are you comfortable going uh, on draft day in a trade-down scenario? Is there a threshold where you say, I'm not getting enough of the high-end talent pool going down from four? Is there, is there a point where you say, well, the amount of picks that I'm getting in return potentially means that I'm getting a better collection of players a little bit later? How, how do you you know set that barometer for yourself when you look at, obviously, offensive tackle and the other needs that the Giants have? I don't think you can move past 12 if you have any expectation to be able to get one of the top four offensive tackles. Now, <clears throat> if the Giants are sitting there and, and they have a different tier of, of offensive tackles, what if they have six guys in their in their mm-hmm tier one, right? I mean, maybe they, they have the guy from USC as, as one of the, the kids that they like in the first round, mid first round grade, you know, if they, if they like six guys, maybe you can move down a couple extra spots, but I just don't see a a way that the giants walk away with a top four offensive tackle anywhere past 12. So for me, that's the cutoff. Now, if you want to say we're going to get two first round picks this year, another first round pick next year, and uh, a second round pick next year to move up to our spot. Mm-hmm. You know, then you're talking about an embarrassment of riches over the course of years that we would basically say, all right, well, we're definitely going to punt on this year, but look at the war chest of assets we've accumulated. And now we're kind of the dolphins where we're trying to get, gather all this talent and go. Yeah. And the interesting thing mm-hmm. for me that I thought about too was, and you know, the dolphins is one you can look at just because it involves getting multiple picks in the first round and so on. But even a team, you know, to, the Chargers trade, if you're going to get maybe that top end of the second draft, you're like, that's a short move you make. The idea of packaging then your two top round second picks there and coming back into the first, like like Gettleman did last year, gets very enticing. The Tampa Bay example, where you fall to 14, I, I think that obviously, like you say, you're outside of that outside of that range. And the question you're asking is, are we as an organization – is it, is it offensive linemen first and foremost need above all else? Then I think it's hard to go to your point much below 12, but even 12 is probably, you have to say, if we're, there's a chance we miss it, if we make that move at 14 with Tampa Bay, where you're talking about potentially getting back their first rounder, a second rounder, a third rounder, a fourth rounder, and maybe something extra in next year's draft as well. I it's tricky but I start to massage that idea in my mind of saying, okay, so now you're talking about having an extra mid-second round pick, a mid-third round pick that doesn't exist for us right now, plus those fourth round selections, and what does it allow us to move around and collectively accomplish? Your your point about where Gettleman and the Giants sit on offensive linemen and how they're ranking them, that's the crucial piece here. Because I think when you look at all these other positions – you know, edge rusher, especially is another one we mentioned, you know, chase on and someone like that. If you don't get chase on, then you're really saying, okay, top of the second round, there's a couple of players available there. And then you move down these tiers have, they've kind of, you know, grouped together at a lot of these positions. Offensive line is a weird one or a nice one in some ways that you have these tiers, but they also sprinkle. They sprinkle in the mid to late first round, top of the second, late second round, and even into the third, they still exist there. So I, I just always wonder how does that hierarchy go? And do you look at one of these guys, even in the third round, say, 
and think that, well, the skill set is there. He just may need a little more time to develop. I, I don't see the Giants going that route, but it's a very curious thing because as offers come across, trying to deliberate the value of where you're falling to, what you're missing out on, but what you can possibly still replenish with. And to your point, the, the secondary thing the following year becomes like a very, that's a very interesting piece if you walk into next year's draft with two second round picks again. The best part about this is that we know the Giants will not trade back. They will sit it for, and all the dreams of, of acquiring more assets and more talent will be for naught. And that is the most frustrating part. You want to, and I, we'll, we're going to get out of here pretty much uh, in a moment. And what I, what I will say is, interestingly enough, I have some amount in my mind, I massage this around, of this collection of players. I, I, I've taken Becton out of the mix. I think that it's it's too much of a risk to have a talented skill set player a la Eric Flowers that maybe also has a little bit of a back injury concern, you know, bigger body guy. I, if I take him out of the group, then you're talking about Andrew Thomas, who's fallen a little bit. You still have Jarek Wills, and then you have Christian Wirfs. Out of those three guys, Thomas, the clear technician, and probably my favorite, Christian Wirfs being the, the, the freak athlete that he is, and I know he's, he's a favorite of yours. A premise of saying, we have Fleming, we have Gates, Soldier is there, and we're going to say, Tristan Wurst, we're taking you at four, you're our starting right tackle, and those other three bodies are the battle on the left side. Because I don't think you're going to say, Tristan Wurst, we're going to plug in at left tackle, because that's not where he's ideally set. If they were going to go that way, that's the only scenario I can see. My my dream really is, they stay at four and they take Andrew Thomas, and we and we never look back. I agree with that. And my whole thing is right tackle was bad with Rimmers last year, but left tackle was horrible. Daniel Jones was getting killed and we're going to roll out Nate Solder again. Now maybe judge can, can see something in him and make it happen. I'm all for pulling the bandaid off. You know, Joe judge is a do your job kind of guy. You know, that new England mentality you talked about. We say, look, Andrew Thomas has all the skills. He's going to compete for left tackle starting day one mm-hmm. and you know what you know <clears throat> listen Nate if you want to be a contributor on this team hone your skills at right tackle go ahead right, fi- yeah figure it out figure it out buddy compete and, and guess what if you can't we're going to cut you and we'll save six million off the cat and we've solved our biggest problem for 10 years like we have the 10-year stalwart on the left-hand side and guess what like if if Nate Solder comes in and competes hard and, and is a guy that wants to, to fight for it. And he becomes a, a serviceable right tackle. We've solved two positions at once. Like mm-hmm. me, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not about fixing right tackle, hoping on a dream on the left and, and cobbling something together. Let's fix the left tackle. No apologies to Nate. See if he wants to come in and compete for another position on the offensive line. And let's see where we go. What an interesting blend that we've come onto here, right? You know, I feel like you've come over to my side of the table a little bit on Nate Soldier and just saying it is what it is, right? We can't we we can't afford to to really mince any words at this point and and risk a potential injury to our franchise quarterback now. And we're also both and we're also agreeing too. And I've come to your side of it a little bit. I think where it is, you just got to get the guy that plugs in and becomes that starter. And however it shakes out, it shakes out. And it'll just be again interesting to see if any trade offers come. The real bummer will be, it's nothing against Isaiah Simmons, but I think you and I have both gotten onto this track of, if they stay at four and they don't trade down, it has to be an offensive lineman. If they draft Simmons, it's just going to take me a minute to catch my mind up and be like, oh, 
Okay, talent, talent, fantastic piece, uh, amazing piece for the defense, but it's not going to, it's not going to satisfy me in the way that if they called Wills or or Thomas, where I would go, all right, you know, thank you, Dave, let's move on, you know. Yeah, if 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 they go Simmons, he's he's a heck of a player, and I, I'm not going to be upset with the fact that we have Isaiah Simmons. He can, he, I mean, you, if you watch his tape, you're like, this guy can literally do everything. Yeah. Um, but it's just one of those things where we've just neglected the offensive line and we need to make these changes and we have to do it in the first round. And if we don't, and we take Simmons, I'll look and see what we do at, at 36. I mean, if, if we don't take an offensive tackle in the second round, then you're sitting there and saying, well, they're comfortable with some kind of Fleming Gates at center solder on the left side. And, and they think that's going to keep, Daniel Jones up. Right. And, and that would be one of the most terrifying scenarios to play out. That is one of the last little tidbits that came out from Gettleman was he said, we still, we, you know, we like what we saw from Gates. We have some confidence in him, but he also acknowledged there's, there's work to do on the offensive line. And, and I, I would never expect it to be the case, but if you get passed and you're waiting for the compensatory in the third, and you have not heard an offensive lineman called for the giants, then I put on the old panic hat as we head towards 2020. And I think this is going to be another lean year, uh, you know, in the New York, New Jersey area. With that being the case, we, we tie a bow on this bad boy, friends. It's the, it's the time of, of rumor and speculation. Follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast. Head over to iTunes, download, rate, review, and subscribe. We will be announcing officially what we're going to do on draft night so that we can panic or cheer or fall into a pit of despair following the fourth overall selection. Uh, so that'll be coming up soon. Beyond that, uh, stay safe, stay well, stay rumored and speculated, friends. And as always, let's go Big Blue. Something, something, something very important is about to happen. I just need to give Andy a minute to bring it out. Oh, I don't even know now what I was going to say. I was about to like give you the twofold. <laughs> I was like, wow, this stop. The, the suspense on the suspense on on part number two is it's just killing me. <laughs>